Broke my 
I was watching the camera uh, just before church, and I thought, Adam ain't here yet. I, I know he remember. He said, I know he knows he's preaching tonight. And I told Melissa, I said, I texted us, I don't know where Adam's at. It's almost 630. He ain't here. She said, he'll be here. <laughs> I said, well, uh, just in case he ain't, uh, you might have to back me up or something. And I was fixing to get started looking. And, Lord, I, what am I going to preach? And here he come driving up. I was, whew, praise the Lord. Come on, Adam. <laughs> Amen. Thank you, Melissa. You had faith in me, so appreciate that. <laughs> no, that's a scary thought, I know. <laughs> well, praise the Lord. We made it. I didn't know that my wife and kids were coming back all the way from Salty Daisy Mountain, and they surprised me, and then got crazy. But anyway, we made it. <laughs> I was I stopped and got a frozen Coke, but I didn't have time to drink it. But I got, I got a few subs in. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been on my heart really since the last time that I preached um, here. It's the uh, prodigal son, and it is Luke chapter 15. But, um, yeah, it's been on my heart. And so then Pastor Thomas asked me to preach uh, last Sunday. So I knew I knew what I was, what I was going to preach on. I didn't have any notes or anything, but I'd been in my spirit and that Sunday morning we couldn't make it because of the snow and ice we had a little service at home <laughs> and I preached on this to my wife and kids <laughs> and um but it's the prodigal son and um you know first I want to give a disclaimer I'm, I'm gonna spit my let me spit my gum out forgot <laughs> I knew I was gonna do that I put a piece of gum in right before I came up I knew I'd forget, but anyway, I did it anyway. Um, first, my disclaimer is this fits me a lot with my family, but this is what I say is not going to be about my family. I just want everybody to know that. But I do have an elder brother, and I do have a father, and we do have a little bit of land or whatever, and I will have an inheritance, whatever the case. We're not rich or anything, but I will have an inheritance. And so it speaks to me, amen? And the reason I want to say that is because this Bible... Amen. It's a big Bible, right? And there's so many stories in here, and some of them speak to you, 
Brian or you, Lisa, or you, Annie, Kate, whoever, uh, more than others, right? And this story really fits me. Said I'm not talking about my dad and my brother, but this story fits me, and I can relate to that very well. So that's a good lesson for us when we search out the scriptures. Find those stories, <laughs> Daniel, Moses, Samson, Noah, whoever, Paul, Peter, John, that fits you, and God will speak to your heart, amen, through his word, amen. All right, Luke chapter 15, the prodigal son, and I'm going to read a few verses. We'll start in verse 11, and he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. And there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, someone says the devil will make you spend all. Amen. When he had spent all, There arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger." And I will arise and go to my father and say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and am no more worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, amen, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and am no more worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring hither the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Now his elder son was in the field, And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fatted calf, because he's received him safe and sound. And he was angry and would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve you. Neither transgressed I at any time your commandment, and yet you never gave me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this your son was come, which has devoured your living with harlots, you have killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, you are ever with me, and all that I have is yours. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive again. And was lost and is found. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we come to you this Sunday evening. God, we thank you, Father God, for your story. God, your parables that you gave 2,000 years ago, Lord Jesus. The greatest 
teaching that's ever been, Lord God, is when your son, Jesus Christ, came to this earth and spoke to your people, the Jews, the Gentiles, whoever heard this message, Lord Jesus, the greatest teaching in the world, God, please anoint me and help me to explain it and help the people to hear it this evening. Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, we can learn a lot from the Bible, amen, and that was good what Brian said to start. Sorry we came in, <laughs> you started, we tried to get in, um, but we can learn so much from the Word of God, amen, and the way that I like to break it down, as I'm going to try to do tonight, is to look at tops and shadows in this beautiful story, and like I said, I can relate to this, I'll say it one more time, I'm not talking about my brother and my dad, but I can relate to this story. You have the Father, who is a type of who? God the Father. So I tried to break it down, if I can remember. I got some notes, but I'll stay here. So God the Father, I'm going to try to break it down here into about three um, lines for each, each person. God the Father, what can we learn from this parable? You know what, one, one thing <laughs> that popped out in my head? God the Father is rich. <laughs> He's got a lot of stuff. <laughs> I like that. God the Father is rich. He's got stuff for us that we don't even know. Amen. He had a, this job for me that I didn't even know about. And if you want to turn the clock back to about 2002, <laughs> he had the job I've had for this with job of the state for 20 years that I knew nothing about. And then this promotion I knew nothing about. He's got Everything you need. He can bless you spiritually, physically, financially. You need a physical healing. What good is all the money in the world if you're laid up in a hospital bed? Amen. <laughs> what good is everything this world has to offer if you're not happy? I think I've said this before, but I've always loved <laughs> thinking about this this morning, but some of the old-time singers, you know, some of the old-time, and that's one reason I love Jimmy Swaggart so much. But, you know, Jimmy, of course, Jerry Lee. <laughs> you know, Jerry Lee, <laughs> and I love that kind of music. He was anointed, and I'm talking about when he got big, but before he was anointed of the Holy Spirit. But when he got big, great balls of fire, and Brother Swaggart talks about this a lot. <laughs> he would put his leg up there and play the piano in seven. I love that kind of music. But I don't listen to it because that's of the world. But, you know, he was anointed, but it wasn't from the Holy Spirit to do that. <laughs> it was from the devil. Amen. And there's people in my family. There's people all over this world. And you see them and you watch them. <laughs> Whoever, Snoop Dogg or <laughs> country or rap or heavy metal or rock or whatever. They're anointed, but it's not of God. <laughs> They're anointed by Satan. Jerry Lee Lewis Great balls of fire. Good. All that stuff is anointed by Satan. Well, another person I think about a lot with that is Ray Charles. Blind. A great story in Ray Charles. And he got married, and he was a Christian, and he was saved, and he started playing, and then he started getting in the bars, and then he started writing his old own stuff, hit the road, Jack, and all that kind of stuff. And I remember, so watched the movie and read a little bit about him. And his wife said, you can't do that. That's not right. And he was taking what? Taking stuff from the church that he'd learned in church and put it into the world. Amen. 
Jerry Lee Lewis learned stuff from church, and he put it in the world. I think it was even, wasn't it, Bill Clinton that was a oneness or something, has some kind of Pentecostal background, and he plays the saxophone or something. Many people, I think Whitney Houston grew up in church. Mariah Carey, maybe, I'm not sure, but many people of the world that have become famous started out in church. And Ray Charles' wife said, you can't do that. You can't do that. This is when he first started, before he got big or anything. Totally blind, miraculous story. How he could become so big, being totally blind. And he didn't listen to her. (laughs) And he went on, and he played his rock and roll version of the gospel. And was anointed by the devil. He ended up cheating on his wife. This is a totally blind man. Cheating on his wife getting divorced or whatever, um, getting into alcohol, drugs, at the same time that he became one of the most, and you listen to that, you listen to him, there's an anointing there. And now some of the stuff I do like, I think he wrote that about America or something like that, but, but there's an anointing there, but it's of the devil. Amen? It's of the devil. So God wants to bless us. God the Father, from this story, the prodigal son, God the Father wants to bless us, and he has everything we need. A wise man once said, it's not how much money you make, it's how much you keep in your pocket. (laughs) Amen. Some people, (laughs) Pastor Thomas said something about this morning, but some people are very rich, and they lose it all. Amen. Think about athletes or musicians or whatever. And all this money, and they lose it all. So it's not just about how much money you have. Amen. You can have a better standard of living and make half as much as somebody else. that has got all kinds of debt, paying all kinds of interest rates, living a sinful life. God will bless us in his own way. Amen. Number two, what does this story say? The prodigal son came back, came to his senses, and said, I'm going to go back to my father. I'm just going to try to be one of his servants. Amen. It's a humble spirit. But I'm talking about God the Father right now. I'm just going to come back to God the Father. I'm just going to come back to my father. Just be one of his servants. And he said, while he was a far way off. Amen. He said, the father saw him. Amen. God is looking for you. <laughs> and you and you and you and me. Mr. Thomas, he's looking for us. Amen. Some things that we can learn. God is rich. <laughs> He's looking for us. Amen. I was, it's just a little short version of my testimony, but I really walked away from the Lord for 10 years. Now, I don't remember what all I've told in this church, but now for seven of those years, I was saved. No question. I, I I wasn't out living in the world, but I was running from God. You can get saved and still be saved and be running from God, but still be in the Father's house. Well, those 10 years, that's why I'm so hard on Annie Kate right now because she's age 12. From age 12 to 22 (laughs) is my story. The first seven years, which it's funny that it's 10 and 7, and it's just amazing. First seven years, I was still saved, but I remember that there was I was not settled, I was not happy in my heart. There was not peace there, 
And you know what it was? As I wouldn't stand up for Jesus, I was saved. But I didn't do what God wanted me to do. I would have been lukewarm. The Bible says lukewarm. <laughs> Brian said that. He will spit you out of his mouth. For the next three years, I was not saved. Now, my family won't believe this. Or other people won't believe this. But I was not. And I even remember arguing with people, <laughs> my friends, about it. If I were to die right now, of course I'd go to heaven. Well, I wouldn't have. I would have went to hell. I was those three years, ages 19 to 22, I was lost. Now, I argued with people. I never would have believed that. It took a long time after I truly got saved because I never wanted to admit that because that's a scary thought that some of that time when I was doing bad stuff, I could have wrecked and died and been in hell. That's a sobering, horrible, terrible thought. And I ran from God for 10 years. Like I said, those three, I was away. I was not saved for those three years. I argue with people during those years <laughs> that I was, and I was not. So you need to be careful <laughs> about who you're around and who says they're saved. Because many people are not and they don't even know it. The devil had me tricked. <laughs> but I would have argued with you, and I did. Because I remember arguing with people that I was saved, and I was not. So be careful who you're around and who you're listening to. <laughs> it could be a preacher. It could be anybody. Because some of those people are not even saved. And I'll get into that. But God is rich. God's always looking for us. And it says he ran and showed compassion on the prodigal son. He gave, killed the fatted calf, gave him the robe, gave him the ring. The Bible says, for the callings, the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. Romans eleven twenty nine. Now, <laughs> if somebody comes in here <laughs> that's been gone, I hope they do. That's been gone from this church and they come back. <laughs> Are they a second class Christian? <laughs> Do we put them in the back? No, no. Are they not allowed to do something? No. The father went. <laughs> He's rich. He's looking for his son. He found him. He gave him everything and more. Just like that. Just like that. Just like that. Just because he knew that the prodigal son was sincere truly repented and that's what the bible plays out it truly repented truly came to his senses truly wanted to be back with the lord with his father and he was sincere and god the father showed compassion on him and gave him everything that he needs the gifts and the calling of god are without repentance and that's a beautiful beautiful story amen all right, let's move on. The elder brother. <laughs> Think about him. What is he at the top of? He's top of the apostate church. He's the top of religion. He's top of the hypocrites. He's the top of the Pharisees and the scribes. Amen. He's the top of self-righteousness. 
Now, this tells us a lot of stuff right here. They were both in the house. They were both saved. They were both in the father's house and had everything that they needed or wanted. The prodigal son left and went out into the world. The eldest son stayed right where he was and was lost, (laughs) was not saved. There are people that are in the church that are not saved. He was in his father's house. There's people in the house, amen, that are not saved. Hopefully not this house, but there's people in the church house that are not saved, amen. And how's a good a good lesson, a good way that we would know that? How do people act when somebody comes back to the Lord, amen? How does somebody act? How does a church member act when somebody truly gets saved? That's a good way to learn right there if they're saved or not. I remember being 12 years old at First Baptist. And they would sing that song every Sunday, just as I am, just as I am, without one plea, just as I am. And God was tugging on my heart. I'd gotten saved when I was eight in another uh, Baptist church. But I wouldn't, come, I wouldn't come out, and the Holy Spirit would deal with me. But I would not step out because I was scared, because I knew that <laughs> some of those people in there were not saved. And I knew that it was a big step. It was a big statement, especially in that church. And I love that church. But especially in that church to come out and come forth and do what the Lord was telling me. Because there were hypocrites there. There were self-righteous people. There were eldest brothers there. Amen. How many churches have elder brothers that are not saved? Amen. How many people are like that? Um, They hate people that truly get saved. They're not saved. They hate people that truly get saved. But what else does this story tell us about the eldest brother? Amen. It says that he was mad and he told the father that prodigal son spent all his money on harlots and I don't want him here. Your son, who wouldn't even claim him as his own. Your son has spent all his money. And the Bible says the father entreated him to come in and celebrate. They were having a big feast and a big celebration. The Bible says the father entreated him. The father, God, is still pleading with church members all across this world that are self-righteous, that are hypocrites, that are Pharisees. Jesus spoke to the Pharisees, amen. He preached to the Pharisees. He talked to the Pharisees. He preached to everybody that would listen. And those people that are the eldest brothers can still get saved. God's still dealing with them. Amen. We need to pray for them. Amen. That they will still come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And the best part of all, the prodigal son, he was in the father's house. He gave it, said he wanted all his money, all his stuff. Give it to me. 
I'm going to run out into the world. What does that tell us? For one, you can be saved as I was. <laughs> Once saved, always saved is not biblical, is not true, is not scriptural. It's a lie from the pit of hell. Amen. This story tells us once saved, always saved is not right. He was in the father's house and he left. He said he was lost and is found. He was dead and is alive again. You cannot tell me that he was not saved in this story. Amen. He was in his father's house. He was in God's house. And what does that tell us? If you want to leave the Lord, you can. Amen. I did it. Many people have did it, done it. You can be saved. You can be in the church. You can be in the Father's house. But if you want to leave the Lord, you, he will let you. He will let you. The Bible in this story says he just went to his father and said, give me all this, my stuff. The father gave it to him. God's not going to make you be saved. Amen. He's not going to make you come to church. Amen. He's not going to make you stay in the Father's house. This story plainly tells us that. We can leave and go out into the world. What else does it tell us? The world is a nasty, dirty, evil, rotten, good-for-nothing place. Amen. What did he end up doing? He spent all his money, it seemed like quickly. What did he end up doing? Feeding swine, playing with the pigs in the pig pen. And these are Jews. They hated pigs. Pigs are unclean. Pigs are nasty. And they're, they're still nasty, but, but I love pork and stuff. But pigs are nasty. <laughs> he was feeding swine. He wanted, said that he wanted the husk that he fed the swine looked good to him. He was wanting to eat that stuff. He was so hungry. He was so dirty. He was so nasty. Sin will take you further than you want to go, and it will cost you more than you want to pay. Amen. Sin, <laughs> say that again, will take you further than you want to go, and it will cost you more than you want to pay. During those 10 years, you know, in my own life, I was never satisfied. Amen. And all God wanted he just wanted me to fully commit to him. That was it. In that time, that first Baptist, if I would have stepped out, that would have worked. Because that would have given me the courage that I need. Because I didn't have, you know, I didn't have a lot of role models in that sense. I had a good family and stuff, but I didn't have role models in that sense. You know, I didn't know any Pentecostal preachers, or I didn't know any Pentecostal, or I'd never been to Pentecostal church or anything. I didn't watch you know, Jimmy Swagger on TV or something. If I just would have stepped out, <laughs> that would have given me the courage because that's what God wanted to give me. Sometimes when you step out, I don't have any problem with it now, thankfully, praise the Lord. But when you step out, amen, with your child or 12-year-old or, or older person or 100 or 10 or 50 or 40 or 60 or whatever, sometimes when you step out, it'll give you that strength and courage that you need. And that's what God's trying to do. Or maybe it's going door-to-door witnessing or whatever, or singing, or reading the Bible to somebody, or witnessing in other ways on your job or something. It'll give you that courage that you need. Amen? That's what I needed. 
and I kept drifting away. And everybody's different. I kept slowly drifting away. And how many people have slowly drifted away until they're gone? And they may not even know it. Their parents might not know it. Their church might not know it. But it's true because it happened to me. <laughs> and if anybody tell me different, you're wrong. <laughs> it's my life and I know I drifted away from the Lord until it was too late. And then you start getting into sin. And you know what? The Holy Spirit will not dwell in an unholy vessel. Amen. Eventually, he leaves. Because you're telling him to leave. The prodigal son left. Amen. The sin, the world and sin, it's a dirty, rotten, nasty, evil place. So we can leave if we want to. We go into the world, it's a bad place. Amen. It's horrible. Amen. Sin is a terrible thing. Third, what do you got to do to be saved? <laughs> what did the prodigal son do? He just came to his senses. He was truly repentant. He admitted that he was a sinner. Said, I'm going back to my father's house. And that's all it took. That um, December 15th, 1999. It was, and I was in my shower. <laughs> and I had been out partying the night before. And I said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And that's all I said. I didn't understand any of that. And so many people are like that. Amen. I'm sure Pastor Thomas would say this. But when you truly get saved, we don't understand what really happened. Especially if you grew up in religion and you don't, <laughs> you're not saved and you think you are and you don't understand. But all it takes, just like the prodigal son, is an honest, or true, repentant heart saying, I want the Lord and I want to come back to him. And that's all that it takes. The Bible says he was lost and is found. He was dead and is alive again. So whatever it takes, whatever wherever you're at, amen, whatever sinner you are tonight, amen, all it takes is to say, I want to go back to my father's house. And the greatest thing in the world is you don't have to be a second-class Christian. <laughs> if you were a preacher, you can go back to preaching. If you were a singer, you can go back to singing. If you were a teacher, you can go back to teaching. And this morning, talking about David and Ziklag. That great story. I was thinking about that. I said, David encouraged himself in the Lord. That's all it took. He said, you will, shall recover all. Amen. If you just come back to the Lord, you shall recover all. That's all it takes to say, I will come back to God. I will go back to my father's house. Just like in this story, a beautiful illustration. It's a beautiful illustration. And when you do that, <laughs> you have family or friends or if you're in the wrong church, <laughs> church members that hate you and don't like you and persecute you and call you names and Bring up your past. I did that. Those three years I was lost, I was thinking about that today. I did that with people that I was friends with that had fallen into sin, truly gotten saved, 
and then I was still friends with them. Those three years I was lost. I would make fun of them, not all the time, but I remember one time in particular, and it's terrible. I would make fun of them to their face and bring up their past. That's what the devil does, and the devil was using me in that regard. That's what the eldest brother (laughs) said. Your son that spent all his money on harlots. Now, we don't know if he did, but he probably did. But that's what the devil will do. That's what the devil will use church people or family or friends to do. When you do turn around and come back to the Lord, they will bring up the past. Amen. I know I've had that happen to me. Something that I did when I was growing up or something I did during those three years or whatever. You know, or thinking about politicians or whatever. They will bring up that. That's from the devil. If you are like that, <laughs> you're not saved or you need to repent. Amen. If your church is like that, you're not saved. You're not going to a good church. You need to get out of there. Come to here, Family Worship Center. You need to get in a good church. When you truly turn around... You're going to be made fun of. You're going to be ridiculed. Religious people, just like the Pharisees and the scribes that talked to Jesus. This beautiful Luke chapter 15, he went through this story. And it was all kind of, it said publicans, sinners, Pharisees, scribes were all listening to him. You had publicans and sinners who were lost. And you had Pharisees and scribes who were supposed to be saved. And they were the church. They were religious people. And they were lost. And all these four different groups of people were listening to him. Publicans, meaning tax collectors, so people with money, sinners, whatever the case. And he told this beautiful story about sheep. (laughs) And it says that angels will rejoice in heaven when one sinner comes back to God. Amen. God will rejoice in heaven. This is just right before the prodigal son. Tells about a woman with the ten coins, ten pieces of silver, that loose, that lost one. And she would search the house. Amen. God will search you out. During those ten years I'm talking about. God searched me out daily. Daily. And praise the Lord. I finally gave in. Amen. But I don't want my kids to go down that path. Amen. I don't want Austin or Braxton or whomever. <laughs> Eli or Evie or Malachi to go down that path. Amen. And I, and I tell them, y'all have the truth. <laughs> I told Austin that. <laughs> I said, you have the truth. You know, back in the Sunday school. You have the truth. I didn't, I had some of that, but not, not a lot. You have the truth. You don't have to go down that path. Amen. I missed out on numerous blessings and God still blessed me. He still took care of me, but I missed out on numerous blessings. During those that 10-year period, and especially those three years, I mean, I did terrible things. I could have been, you know, put in jail or killed in a car accident or something like that. God watched out for me. He watches out for us. Amen? It's like he watched out for Pastor Tom. He watches out for us, and he's always seeking us, always looking for us. You know, we say, we found God. God really found us. He was there all along. Amen. <laughs> Brother Swaggart's song, Wasted Years. Wasted Years. How foolish. That's a, that's a beautiful, beautiful song. 
but <laughs> you can't dwell on the past, amen? <laughs> and the devil will make you do that too because it went down that path too. Um, it happened, forget it, put it under the blood. He'll give you the robe, he'll give you the ring, he'll give you the money, he'll give you the blessings, he'll give you the spouse, he'll give you the kids, he'll give you the job, he'll give you the house. The callings, the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. He'll give us everything that we need. All right, I've got a couple other things to say. I just want to say this. You know, this is 2024. (laughs) Help me, Lauren. What's 2024? Every four years. (laughs) election year right well this has been on my heart for a few weeks now and i've started watching some of the news and what the liberals would call maga media (laughs) but i just feel like something good is about to happen amen (laughs) i just feel like something good is about to happen let's just you know put put out the put the, (laughs) the elephant out of the room or whatever just put it out there President Trump is going to be the nomination. He's going to be the nominee, okay? It's not going to be Nikki Haley and whatever the case. You know, it's going to be President Trump, okay? And it's going to be Biden. I mean, unless they do a switch or something, I would doubt, seriously doubt that unless something just crazy happens and he becomes just totally mentally gone. And <laughs> he already is. <laughs> but, you know, we need to pray for President Biden. Amen. And I just read, just out of curiosity, just something hit me, and I just read it. You know, his story is is a real tragic story, and I do want to say this. He was married, had three kids, and it's terrible. It's a terrible story. And he had just become a senator, a U.S. senator. He just got elected, a young man, just got elected, maybe 30, had a wife and three kids, little kids. Just got elected U.S. Senator. It was right before Christmas, and his wife and his three kids, little kids, were going to buy a Christmas tree. And something happened, and they ran in front of a tractor trailer, killed his wife, his one-year-old daughter, and then his two sons, Hunter and Bo, survived. But they were in the hospital for a long time, and he even got sworn in to the U.S. Senate at the hospital. So he has a tragic story. I'm not saying he's right or anything, but he has a tragic story. And then Bo, his oldest son, and then he got remarried, and they had a a daughter, I believe. Bo, his oldest son, died of a brain cancer in 2015, I think. And it's a terrible story. So he has Hunter from his first marriage, and we all know about Hunter. But then he and he has a daughter, I believe, from another marriage. But we need to pray for him, amen. And I'm not saying we shouldn't say anything bad about him or that <laughs> President Trump or the Republicans are doing anything wrong. But I'm just saying, whoever it is, amen. Whether it's the, <laughs> the Antichrist or the worst person in the world or whatever, we have to pray for them, amen. I'm not saying don't point out faults or anything like that, but we need to pray for President Biden that he'll get saved amen it's going to be trump (laughs) and it's going to be biden and trump has all these lawsuits but like i said i just feel like something good is about to happen i feel like god's not over with america yet amen so is he going to get reelected? i feel like he just might amen but it's going to be trump and it's going to be biden 
So one of those are going to get reelected in November or however long it takes them to count all the votes and everything. We need to pray and we need to be on guard and be alert. I'd watch people like Charlie Kirk, Turning Point USA and things like that. It's the truth. I mean, those people are right. I'm not saying about everything, but you need to get on the right side. Amen. Whether you like President Trump or not, whether you like all the Republicans and you have the rhinos and you have the MAGA people and you have the populist candidate and stuff, but I'm telling you, man, President Trump <laughs> is anointed. I don't know if he's saved or not, but that man knows what he's talking about. God is using somebody like him. It could have been somebody else, but it wasn't, <laughs> and it's not. And maybe it couldn't have been because I sure couldn't have withstood everything that he's done. I mean, that... Crazy lady just sued him, and she got $83 million, but they're going to appeal that. $83 million. He has to pay, he's supposed to pay, I mean, how could a, a woman $83 million, because supposedly they had some kind of sexual encounter or something. I mean, that's, and she can't even remember when it was, or, or I mean, it's nuts. It's just nuts. But I just feel <laughs> like God's not over with America. Well, you're talking about politics. Well, that affects everything. Amen? That affects everything. We have to get the right person in there. Amen? To stop all this crazy LGBTQ and all this crazy mess that's going on. Israel, Russia, Ukraine, China, Taiwan. Over and over and over. We need to get the right person in there. It helps the church. Amen. It helps Israel. Amen. It can help the Lord <laughs> and the church do what we are supposed to do. Amen. I want to tell a little story. And I'll stay up here. And this has been on my heart. But I see who all knows this. I'm sure Grace and Lisa. But it's an incredible story. And her name, <laughs> a woman, <laughs> preacher, evangelist, Amy Simple McPherson. You know that name? Amy Simple McPherson. She's born like around the year 1900. Okay? What else happened around the year 1900? The latter outpouring of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> That's Holy Spirit. The latter rain. Um, Topeka, Kansas, Agnes Osmond spoke in tongues. And it's went around the world in the Zusa Street Revival in Los Angeles. Well, she grew up around this time in Canada. Simple farm girl in Canada. She went to a Pentecostal. I mean, this is in the early days. Supposedly in like 1886, Church of God, Cleveland traces its roots back to mountains in North Carolina and stuff. But for most people, they say around 1900 was the first person that Truly spoke in tongues, and the movement started. Holy Spirit, fire, and Pentecost. Well, she went to a Pentecostal meeting in Canada. Got saved, got filled with the Holy Ghost, and the preacher, she ended up marrying the preacher. He was an Irish preacher named Robert Simple, S-E-M-P-L-E. They got married, and they were on fire for the Lord. This is early days. I'm talking 1915, something like that. They were on fire for the Lord. They just went. <laughs> this is the early days. You didn't have Baptist board. I mean, you had that. But this is in the Pentecostal message. I was watching one documentary on it this afternoon. I just like doing that. And they said, 
people, those, and this was from the world. This is like a PBS thing. He said, those Pentecostals back then, they just went. <laughs> said, they didn't get approval. I mean, they were saying it in a disparaging way. He said, they didn't get approval from anybody. They didn't have any money. They just went. They just were, if they felt like God told them to go there, they just went. <laughs> Sounds a lot like this church, right? They just went. And so her and her husband went to China. It was like 1918. And lo and behold, he got sick, got malaria, and a couple of months later died. And she had a little baby. So she was widowed, didn't have any money, was in China, had to get back to Canada, end up going to New York City. Got married to another man, which was probably a mistake, and he, that he was McPherson, Harold McPherson, Amy Simple McPherson. And she got sick. And she was being fought by the devil. And she said she was on her death. She was in the hospital, had a lot of stomach problems and appendix and had to have a hysterectomy and stuff. And she said she was being fought by the devil and it was dark and um, all kinds of spiritual warfare going on. And she heard through all that, said, will you go? (laughs) Will you go? (laughs) You know, if you're called of God, it don't matter if you're divorced or widowed or you messed up amen that calling is still there callings and giftings of god without repentance this was a woman in 1920 (laughs) a pentecostal woman (laughs) in 1920 i mean not heard of (laughs) she said she would so anyway so she started going and her husband her husband that she'd married now started going a little bit with her and they were married and they had another child and she was at home and he wanted her to be at home just be a homebody which is what women did then 1920 and god told her will you go will you go and she went and she started traveling the world traveling the country preaching the gospel a pentecostal woman in 1920 well her husband ended up not liking it and ended up leaving and she never saw him again so she's widowed, she's divorced, traveling, the didn't have any money, started traveling the country, started getting crowds of 500, 1,000, 2,000, started the divine healing movement, got a Pentecostal car. She got it and said, uh, Jesus is coming. Are you ready? It's a 1920, so old, old-timey car. And started stretching out tents, and nobody knew what in the world to think about it. But God was moving, amen. And he called her. And when you listen to her, over the last week or so, I started listening to just a few little things. I mean, you can feel it, amen. You can feel the anointing there, amen. Ended up, this is how big she got, having crowds of like 10,000. Ended up going to Los Angeles, 1925, opening she was so popular at this time i mean how hard would this have been the widowed divorced woman with two little children trying her mom started going with her traveling the country pentecostal woman preacher <laughs> she said i know <laughs> this one clip said i know some of you have come to just gape at uh, seeing a woman preacher she said but while you're gaping and your mouth is open i'm gonna pop the gospel in <laughs> but it's anointed you should look it up and she wasn't perfect and, and there's, you know anytime you pull something up it's gonna talk about bad stuff so she wasn't perfect 
started in Los Angeles in the 1920s. Of course, Azusa Street was in Los Angeles in 1905 or whenever it was. And opened this huge, this is how popular she was, 5,000-seat coliseum called the Temple, called the Angelus Temple. Started her own denomination. You know what it is? Four square. <laughs> you heard of that? Four square. It's a pen- big Pentecostal domination. And she would talk about four square them. And she would say salvation, the baptism with the Holy Spirit, divine healing, and the second coming of Jesus Christ. And that was her message. Simple message. I want to read to you what she said. And I'll, I'll close. But she had crowds of 30,000, 50,000 people. She became the most popular. That was the biggest church in America. A simple farm girl from Canada did that. Why? Because of Pentecost. Amen? All right, I've got to find it here. But she traveled the entire country. Here it is. And she said this. I'll end on this. You don't need to be an orator. What God wants is plain people with the good news in their hearts. That again, what God wants is plain people with the good news in their hearts who are willing to go and tell it to others. The love of winning souls for Jesus Christ sets a fire burning in one's bones. Soul winning is the most important thing in the world. And that's all she did. I mean, she didn't... Now, she started all kinds of... It was during the Depression, and she started all kinds of uh, food pantries, commissaries, and stuff, which was a good thing. It was a very needed thing. Now, 100 years later, the government's got all... But that was before all the social net programs and stuff. Soul winning is the most important thing in the world. All I have is on the altar for the Lord... And while I have my life and strength, I will put my whole being into the carrying out of this great commission. Amen. Will you put your whole being (laughs) into soul winning? Amen. Will you put everything that you got to carrying out this great commission? Amen. I'm nothing. (laughs) Amen. But that's why I'm here. (laughs) I could, you know. As anybody could. We could be at any Baptist or Methodist or Presbyterian church (laughs) in the state of Tennessee. Amen. But we're not because I believe we believe in soul winning and carrying out the Great Commission. Amen. I'll give it back to Pastor Thomas. Amen. Amen. (laughs) A great story. A great evangelist. Amy Simple McPherson. Praise the Lord. Stand your feet, you would. Anna Kate, come on. Miss Grace, would you come? I have decided to follow Jesus. Amen. No turning back. No turning back. I hope there's people watching tonight. I pray to God that if there are people watching tonight and you're not where you're supposed to be with the Lord, this message hits your heart. And these words, when you was reading that and it said that the, the Father looked and he saw him a long way off, it seems that the father initiated the bringing him back. He got up and went toward. He saw him a long way off. And I, I'd say he probably was just strolling along with his head down and 
messed up because of sin, but the Father says, that's my son, and I'm going to bring him back. Amen. I'm going to tell you, the Lord will take you. I don't care what you've done. He's looking for somebody to repent. Amen. As she sings this song, to follow Jesus, I want you to take a minute tonight to pray. If you want to come, if you're watching through the internet, let this message, let the Spirit of God touch your heart tonight. If you're not where you need to be, let the Lord bring you back tonight. To follow Jesus, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back, I have decided. No turning back.
turning back. You know what's really, really encouraging about that story you was telling us? That woman went through all that, and her husband walked off and left, and she says, I'm going to follow Jesus. And looked as a result at how many people gave their lives to Jesus, how many people got healed. And she's in heaven rejoicing with Jesus now and being rewarded for the things. Amen. God, I believe that she's, if she hadn't, she's going to have a great reward at the judgment seat of Christ. There's going to be a great reward. You women need to understand something. God wants to use y'all. We believe that God uses women in this church, and he wants to use women. The woman that Jesus met at the well, was it her, whoever it was, when she left, says she ran back to the village and said, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Is not this the Christ? He's the Son of God. And people started coming. And that's what this is all about. Amen. Good message, Adam. That's one of the best messages I think I've ever heard you preach. And I didn't see you read hardly one note. Till the end, the story, that was good. And it don't matter, look, notes or not, it don't matter. God can anoint them or not anoint them. But I've seen many times when when I got notebooks, I'll shut up, I got notebooks from when I first started preaching. I still got 10 or 15 of them with 10 to 15 pages of notes, stuff that I wrote down when I'd go preach, and I'd just sit here and try to read every single page. And the Lord started getting a hold of me and said, you uh uh-uh, stop. You're hindering my spirit. And I would write down exactly what I'm going to say and how I'm going to say it. And I'd get to that and like I'd like choke up like Lord be saying, just let me have control. Amen. Let me have control. Amen. Praise the Lord. God wants to use people. And it's all about a simple message. He's not looking, as you said, for a great orator. Somebody that can tell people about Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Unless the trumpet sounds, you know the old saying, we'll see you Wednesday night. Amen. God bless everybody. We love you. We hope you were blessed by the live service from Family Worship Center in Athens, Tennessee. Our weekly services are Sunday at 1030 a.m., Sunday at 530 p.m., and Wednesday evening at 630 p.m. Watch us live online at www.fwc-tn.com. You can also check us out on Facebook or YouTube. Family Worship Center is located at 250 County Road 378 in Athens, Tennessee. Send all correspondence to Family Worship Center, P.O. Box 118, Athens, Tennessee 37303. For more information, you can call the church at 423-744-0774.